fresh off the heels of what I could only call the most controversial duckass that I've done with one James Ellsworth. We are back the next night. Petey Williams, Dennis Farrell. It's a Wrestling Perspective podcast. Petey Williams, what's up? How's she going, eh? Do you plan on this podcast saying something controversial? Because I'm going to be honest. You, you know, you're slacking now. It's your turn. On on controversy? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've, I don't even know if I've ever said, I've tried to say controversial stuff. I'm like, this is going to create controversy. And nobody bats an eye. It's just like, oh yeah, that's normal. I'm like, what? How is that not? How is that normal? So, I mean, I could try to say something controversial just so, you know, to keep in, uh, you know, in the theme of the controversial week. Um, but nobody will probably take it as controversial. If you haven't listened yet, go to the last Doug cast with uh, James Ellsworth. He openly talks about the backstage meeting before the Extreme Rules pay-per-view Sunday where they held a locker room only, I guess I would say only, uh, meeting where Triple H introduces Hulk Hogan, explains that he's reinstated, and they go from there. There's been a bunch of controversy, but uh, James was open with what he saw. Uh, a lot of sites had misquoted him and taken quotes out of context. I got to say shame on them. That's bad reporting, uh, uncalled for. And, and you know. And by the way, if you're going to do a, a news story on the Dugcast, and I've seen variants of the same story, none of them have my name in it, P.D. Williams. Not one. Uh, I... Dennis, man. Not I, one. I mean, I don't know what to say. I feel bad for you in Do a you? way. Do because you? this is essentially your podcast. This is your podcast. Both of them are your podcast. You started them. You created them. You're the inventor. And other people are getting credit for it. I, it shakes my head. At least be like in that <laughs> one guy, Dennis Farrell. Yeah. I literally just said on his podcast. Like that's all. And it's always, man. You know, like. You're you're the Jim Neidhart of the Hart Foundation. You know, he's the Bret Hart goes on to be world champion, all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's unfair, but hey, that's the world of professional wrestling. I I like that one uh, Hart son that was an accountant, like Smith Hart or <laughs> or whoever. Yeah, like I think they all wrestled, just like not all of them made it. I'm I like Morris Hart, the. <laughs> The the one thir- one hundred and thirteen pound accountant the the one the one that probably makes the most money but is the black sheep of the family. Almost, I mean, I, you probably wish you were one hundred thirteen pounds, but yeah, I mean, you're you're kind of like that. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine Thanksgiving dinner at the Hearts where they're all wrestlers and it's like, uh, you know, I had to introduce our lawyer kid. Oh, how embarrassing! He's a lawyer. <laughs> Like any other family, yeah. that's a badge of honor, except for the Hearts. Yeah. Well, this is oh, these are all my professional wrestling sons and daughters and all that kind of stuff. This one ended up becoming a lawyer. Yeah, I could see that at the at the family dinner. He's a doctor. He saves people all day, but cannot do an arm drag for crap. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You're such a disappointment to this family. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're a disgrace to this the family name. So we have a. Busy, busy show. Uh, a little bit later, we will play a pre-recorded interview with one Josh Matthews, voice of Impact Wrestling. I was excited for this beat. Uh, yeah, when we recorded it, I could obviously tell you were excited about it. I mean, I, 
I, I can't see you right now, but I can only imagine you were like drooling from the mouth because you're such a like like a mark, like a fanboy when it came to him. It's kind of embarrassing, Dennis. I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, in that interview, he says, Dennis, I want to sit down and have a conversation with you. That was at the end, and I think he was just being polite um, because he probably listened to the dog cast and realized that your name's not mentioned in any of the reports. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Petey, did you do the dog cast? <laughs> I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so, you know, hopefully for the the – rest of this podcast you you know keep your tongue in your mouth and all that kind of stuff get it together um because uh you so weren't during the josh matthews he, josh matthews was great during the interview though uh you got some work to do dennis thanks a little bit like josh matthews did that interview in the middle of a racetrack uh that's what it sounded like it <laughs> like a racetrack at like nascar like daytona 500 i don't know whatever um but he, yeah, and he he when, at one point he apologized. Oh, there's a motorcycle going by. No, it's it sounded like a motorcycle gang. So it wasn't just one, unless that motorcycle kept circling his block. I, so there's multiple motorcycles. Josh, if you're listening, I love you. But at one point during the interview, I thought you were being drowned. <laughs> I'm like, is he brushing his teeth? I didn't know if it was motorcycle. He could, you know, he, oh, it would have been cooler if he would have said, "Hey, I'm on my speedboat, you know, on my yacht or something like that," and that's the motor, or whatever. Um, or you could have said, that's my motorcycle. I'm on my motorcycle right now. One hand on the phone, one hand on the bike. Josh Matthews is so rich. He bought the original speedboat from Thunder in Paradise. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, brother, I'm out on my speedboat, brother. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's a collector's item. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, we've got the Josh Matthews interview. Uh, we, we will play a clip. From Jim Cornette's uh, Cornette's Drive Through Podcast. Uh, hopefully, they don't get mad that we're playing a clip. It's only going to be uh, maybe four minutes. There is some vulgar language in it, and it's it's Jim Cornette's thoughts on the Canadian Destroyer. Normally, we wouldn't steal from anybody else's podcast, but I thought, you know, you're talking about P.D. Williams. You're talking about the, and it's interesting. And we both were kind of shocked. We'll share our thoughts after we play it here a little bit. But we do want to warn the younger audience that there are words in there. So we will warn you before we start that segment. Uh, listen at your own risk. If anybody from the Jim Cornette drive through podcast is listening, we really appreciate you uh, not getting mad at us for using that clip. So much so, Petey. I will say this. I I like Jim Cornette. I was bummed out that I didn't get the chance to meet him when he was at Cobo Hall. There was a little brush up with Santino. He and Santino left. That was the closest I would have come to meeting Jim Cornette. And I grew up in the South. Uh, uh, you know, I loved it. NWA, WCW, all that stuff. So Jim Cornette is someone I look up to. Yeah, Jim... Uh... When I worked with him back in Impact, and uh, even my last time back, he was there for a little bit, um, and then left the. Con- I don't remember why he left back in August, but he was there for a little bit, and it was great seeing him again. I mean, uh, and and even before that, I, I've never. I know a lot. He has a heat with a lot of different people and stuff like that. You know, because he does run his mouth. Let's be honest, and I've 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 seen him run his mouth. Like I was there. Like I mean, he he has the gift of gab, and he prides and, himself on it, though. 
Oh, yeah, he probably wants the heat. I mean, it's all controversy. It's all a big – that's what wrestling is. It's all all controversy, a big work, get people worked up and sell stuff and content and all that kind of stuff, promote, promote, promote. And that's what Jim is. And I've always got along with Jim. Um, and I, I can't even off the top of my head think of a time where I was like, you know, Jim, how dare you say that about me or uh, anything like that. I mean, the one time – and I don't even know if I've told this story before – uh, there was a match with myself and Eric Young against Booker T and uh, Scott Steiner. And uh, the match, you know, um, Scott Steiner was supposed to pin me because we had a feud going on. It was an elimination match, even though it was an elimination tag match. And uh, it didn't end up going that way. Booker T ended up pinning me. And it was, um, you know, but me at the time uh, was only with the company for like four or five years or whatever it was. Same with Eric Young. And, you know, they're, they're the vets in the ring. If they're going to call an audible, hey, who am I going to, you know, Booker T hit me with this finishing move. I was on the ground. Um, he told the ref, this is it. I'm not kicking out of his finishing move, you know, on TV. So I'm like, okay. And I remember Booker T got chewed out in the back and stuff like that because, you know, Eric and I were, you know, I'm legit in a feud with Scott Steiner. Um, I think Booker T was in the feud with uh, Shane Sewell, the ref at the time. Uh, Eric Young wasn't in a feud with anybody, but like we weren't jobbers or anything, but we were totally kind of treated like jobbers in the ring. Um, and when Jim Cornette, he was the agent of the match, he came back and me and Eric Young are sitting there. We go to the locker room and Jim Cornette looks at us and it was the first time in my entire life I saw Jim Cornette at a loss for words. He didn't know what to say to us. And because you usually give like constructive criticism after the match, things you could have did differently. And he's looking at us and he, he begins to talk each time, puts up his arms and then puts his hands on his hip. Then he like puts out his rolled piece of paper. It doesn't say anything, puts his hands on his lip. And he's like, I, I'm just, I, I'm trying to think of something to make you guys <laughs> not look as bad as you did in the ring. Like, but, and I think he knew it wasn't our fault, Eric and Eric and I's fault. So, um, he, he just, and he's still stuttering, but he doesn't really say anything. And he's like, and he, he just kind of throws up his hands and walks away. And me and Eric look at each other. We're like, did that just happen? Like Jim, Jim usually has like a, like four pages worth of stuff to tell you after your match. Even if you had like a one minute match. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he's always has stuff to say, uh, but he's always been, you know, good with me. That's good. Now, listen, if you are interested, you can listen to it over at Jim Cornette Experience each Thursday in Jim Cornette's drive-thru each Monday on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Podcast Attic, iHeartRadio, everywhere else podcasts are available. I urge you to go look at it. I'm also doing this so they don't get mad at me. <laughs> Petey, <laughs> you, 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 I'll take the heat for it. I'll take the heat for it, Dennis. Don't oh, worry. Well, I mean, considering that you hit record, you do all the editing on the podcast, you do everything. Yep, yep. So we will do, do that. We'll do that here a little bit later. Let's talk a little bit about the Slammiversary pay-per-view I'm really excited for. I cleared my schedule. You and I, another road trip across Canada together, eh? Uh, yeah, eh? Um, yeah, this is going to be exciting. Uh, we're going to Slammiversary, Rebelplex uh, in Toronto. Um, I do not believe, as it stands right now, sold I am out. not wrestling on the card. It is um, sold out, by the way. What's that? It, the pay-per-view is sold out. 
Yeah, I heard that. So that's exciting. So I, I kind of wish I was on the pay-per-view, actually. But unfortunately, as it stands right now, I, I am not. However, we are in a different country. Sometimes people have border problems. Maybe I'll have to fill in for somebody. Who knows? Maybe they need somebody on the pre-show, whatever the case may be. Uh, but, I'll, you know, I'll be doing my agent stuff backstage. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's, sometimes I get really excited to just sit and, like, not have to wrestle and then be able to like help with the show and actually watch the show and stuff and not have to worry about, you know, my match and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes it's nice. So I think Sunday's gonna be be really nice. We will be listening to the podcast we'll drop while dropping a bonus episode this week. It's with Joe Henry. He is slash was, depending on when you were listening, debuting Thursday night on Impact against Eli Drake. Uh, this is a guy that I, I've quickly fallen in love with. I love the music. I, I didn't know much about him beforehand. I did a ton of research. I will say this. If you're listening to this and then going to listen to the bonus episode, uh, in the podcast, we were asking him about his thoughts on starting a podcast, and he was kind of wishy-washy. He has launched a podcast. Yeah, Joe Hendry. I mean, you could kind of tell he was wishy-washy. And then after we went off the air, he was kind of looking at your equipment. I think he was like kind of, you know, like throwing it back. Like, wow, this is a nice setup you have here, Dennis, and so on and so forth. And you kind of – I attribute a lot of his success to you, Dennis, because you said, hey, if you want any help setting anything up, let me know. I could tell you equipment, all, so on and so forth. And he's like, all right. I think he was kind of being modest. Like I think he was really excited, but he was more like, okay, yeah, I'll take that. And then, sure enough, now he's got a podcast, and you know it's a success or going to be a success. So, um, yeah, I attribute that to you, Dennis. I'll, I'll give you credit there, since nobody else seems to give you credit. Would you say he might have been intimidated by the size of my mic? Uh, definitely. You know what? I thought it was odd because there was three mics, and you definitely had the biggest mic. I think you did that on purpose. Uh, I have mic envy. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, it was fun, right. and we're going to do the same setup. We're going to find another a room, hopefully not in the middle of a door that is mysteriously locked, and people always shake it. By the way, that was Josh Matthews shaking the door during one of the interviews. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he looked at the equipment, too, like, hey, I like what you're doing He looked there. at the, si- the size of your mics there, and he was like, whoa, man, nice. So, I, yep, I same think, thing. I think deep down inside, he's like, I think I'm going to do that guy's podcast one day. Uh, he He just didn't know it yet. I think deep down he did. I think we all knew it was coming. Yeah, and it came. So, I mean, <laughs> you're going to hear the podcast later. Hear it a couple minutes. I'll be honest. This is a light, fun uh, episode. We're, it's been a lot of heavy news this week, and I've done some damage control with what uh, the James Ellsworth thing. Not that James didn't say anything bad, but, you know, when you weigh in, on something as controversial as what's going on with Hulk Hogan, uh, I was I was very I don't want to use the word stern, but I was very anti Hogan. Uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet I put out when they reinstated him. I was I was pretty damning with my words and how I felt about it. I still am. Uh, you know, Dave Pincer. Uh, made a point about uh second chances because here's here's my problem and i don't want to get into what he says anything like that pete but the one thing i want to talk about which 
not just this, but you can almost apply to drugs, drinking and driving, anything. Is yep. This guy deserves a second chance. And in wrestling, PD, even you know a ton of wrestlers that had second chances. And I do not subscribe to the theory that they deserve a second chance. I think you have to earn a second chance. And I don't know how you do that uh, in that situation. But in others, you know, nothing's given. You're, you're not owed a second chance. You have to work at it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, in America, uh, North America, whatever you want to call it, um, we're a country that believes in second chances. Uh, for the most part, you know, you, if you murder somebody, they're not going to be like, hey, let's give this guy a second chance. I think he's going to turn it around. Um, but, you know, like like you said, like drinking and driving, I think it, they give a triple chance, actually, in uh, the state of Michigan. Anyways, you have to be like uh, charged three times of drinking and driving for it to become a felony. So they give you three chances. Um, and, you know, that's all like illegal stuff. Um, and, you know, I don't want to comment on any any of it's not me to say. Uh, I've never been put in, uh, like, you know, like. obviously, I'm a white person. I've never been a black person, so I've never been in those shoes. So I can't even begin to imagine anything that, you know, uh, like black people are feeling or that community or any of the case may be. So I, I don't even feel like it's my right to comment on it. Um, should it be reinstated? <sighs> That's questionable, too. I mean, you obviously cannot deny uh, the impact that Hulk Hogan has you know, had on professional wrestling. Um, but then again, I look at something like, and we've always analyzed like the actual professional sports hall of fames, right? You look at somebody like Pete Rose, still not in the baseball hall of fame because, you know, he did something like illegal, abetted on games, all that kind of stuff. And they still are not letting him in, you know, and it's been, and, and he's one of the best of all time and they're not letting him in the hall of fame. So that's up in the air too for debate. So I mean, that's all things you have to think about, Dennis. Are you curious? Would you like me to at least read you my tweet that I tweeted out when this happened? Um, yeah, refresh my memory because I believe I, I, I read it. All right. I do follow you on Twitter. so Do you I, I really? Read it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's yeah. – I'll give you credit for that too. Maybe you know, I'll, okay, go. I, I got to tell you something before we read this tweet. I'm a little mad that I forgot to bring up the fact that you had to beg Josh Matthews to follow you. Uh, Josh Matthews doesn't follow me. He still doesn't, Twitter, does I don't he? believe. Yeah, I didn't beg him. I, I would never beg anybody to follow me on Twitter unless it was you, Dennis. If you didn't follow me, I'd have to beg you. And Desmond Xavier. Just like Desmond Xavier. Yeah, right? I didn't oh, – did I on the podcast beg I, him? I, I, I probably no, didn't beg. No, you played it cool, but I could tell in your eyes it was hurt. Uh, you know what? Twitter is a social media thing. I, I really appreciate it. But if somebody doesn't want to follow me, don't – you know what? Bobby Roode doesn't follow me anymore. I'm like, what happened, man? What happened, Bobby? Bobby, a guy I used to look to my own brother, does not follow me on Twitter anymore. Did you I'm ask like, him? No. No, I, I remember I uh, – man, I think we lost all ties. I, I really do. I don't know. Do you still have I, his I, number? I was, what's that? Do you still have his number? Absolutely. I texted him uh, not too long ago. Um, I was at uh, Little Caesars Arena in, in Detroit where the Red Wings play. And Bobby Roode is a huge Red Wings fan. And I met back in the locker room. I was able to, to like go backstage and stuff like that. 
uh, taking pictures of like Gordy Howe's. Like he has his own locker, even though he's like retired to see all that kind of stuff. But they, they have a separate locker for him and a couple of the other lockers and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, Bobby's going to be so jealous, right? I send it off to him. No response. And I'm like, well, that's that then. That's probably when he unfollowed. That's why he probably unfollowed me on Twitter. Here's what I think you need to do. Send him a text. You know how you can send text with YouTube links in it? Okay, yeah, yep, yep, yep. The song Baby Come Back. <laughs> I, that's all you do is just send him Baby Come uh, Back. Or like, uh, I don't know, Total Eclipse of the Heart or something you like just that. Just send I, him. I, don't know. I, think, I think that's what you have to do to win him back. You know, man, you know what song uh, we used to listen to and actually <laughs> back so, in the day, the so Ale House days, like after the uh, impact tapings? 99 problems by jay-z we used to we used to put it on the jukebox it was just so weird and we'd we'd listen to it and we'd laugh about it and but when we sing along with it you know we rap along with it and then laugh and be, high five and have beers and stuff like that so that's like our song so maybe i should send that to him i think you should like all bobby right. remember these days <laughs> all right let's let's get to this tweet so we can at least for us on this show put this to rest and let people that have more skin in the game uh, and by that, I mean WWE officials, WWE, wrestlers that are affected. Let them deal with it in their own ways. But here was my tweet. I'm disappointed in the WWE for allowing Hulk Hogan to return after some of the deeply racist things he was caught saying. They sit all high and mighty on a perch. They sit all high and mighty and preach to us about social justice and bullying. When it comes down to it, their words are hollow. Good tweet. Thank you. I mean, yeah. It's a good tweet, kind of like when, uh, you know, they took a young took away the fabulous Mula Royal Rumble. You know, like just I know everybody's trying to be politically correct now, and it's just a political correct thing to do. You know, who who knows? I mean, I don't think it's a political correct thing because it's kind of a hip, like hypocritical of them. Um, but then again, they have people working for them, and they probably have a you know risk analyst people and all that kind of stuff social media and all that you know and i don't even know what to say about any of that really did you watch any of extreme rules i know you've been busy yeah i've been busy I, i'm not all the way through it i kind of uh skimmed through it i would say um uh the best just you know, I, I kind of crunched a four-hour pay-per-view kind of that i'm still not done into like an hour um so yeah i i know i know the outcomes and all that kind of stuff i know hey i watched the whole jeff hardy nakamura match i watched the whole thing front beginning to end i'm sorry <laughs> well it was like what 10 seconds long or whatever yeah you you really <laughs> invested you put away a whole night to I, I put sure. a lot of time into that one i'll tell you and can i um, i take a lot of heat when i say that i'm just not a jeff hardy fan i've and I, I don't know if we've covered it on this podcast. And a lot of this is not, you know, very popular view with a lot of fans. And, and I'm okay with it because this is just my opinion. But you take away that short time that he was Brother Nero. I, I don't know if it was months or a year or so. But you take away the Brother Nero thing, right? The one, the one thing that really brought them back. There has been... Outside of that, which was radical and amazing, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to discount it, but it's one thing. That Jeff Hardy character has never evolved. It's 
even when he came, even when they came back to the WWE to the same music, they were wearing the same. Look, they're extreme because they're wearing neon green. It just, I, I, there's nothing in my eyes as as watching him as a fan that just makes me think that this guy is still a top level talent. Uh, now I know yeah. I'm gonna get bashed for that, but yeah. They, you know they move slow. It seems like they're always getting banged banged up. Matt Hardy, holy cow! It the way he walks in the ring is just painful to watch. Yeah. I, so just to comment on that, Jeff Hardy, you are going to get bashed. Um, I understand not everybody's a fan of him. I wasn't a fan of of Jeff Hardy either. Like when I used to watch him, I'm like, oh yeah, you know he's good and stuff. But I was never like, man. I need to jump on the Jeff Hardy uh, train or wagon or whatever. Um, however, I've worked with Jeff Hardy. I've been on shows, televised shows with Jeff Hardy and I like house shows. And I'll tell you what, man, his fan base is huge. And not only is it huge, it is loyal. Like there has been times where, you know, Jeff Hardy's on the card. We're on a house show and like the thousands of people that are there are all Jeff Hardy fans, right? Like he literally single-handedly, like you know, uh, you know, uh, brought everybody to the house, like pretty much. Like just the, the fans were there to see him. You could tell by the way they were dressed, their reception, their signs, everything. And it makes me wonder, like, hey, if Jeff wasn't on this show, how many people would have showed up? Like, so it's almost like, hey, Jeff, you know, thank you for the house tonight. You know, like we 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 owe that to you, um, and. So, I mean, that, that's where it's at. I, I know I understand everybody's not, you know, into him. They don't understand him. But there is a huge amount of the population that really gets him yeah, and well, loves him. H- hang on now. I mean, you you look at uh, Charles Manson. He had a huge fan base even, even when he died. It doesn't make him a – I don't want to use great person because I want to take out personal demons out of this. But from – a fan standpoint watching this they i just i just can't get behind it it doesn't seem like it just it seems like the record skipping every time i watch it even now that they've gone back to the woken character it that i don't know if you blame heart uh, matt or you blame creative i don't know where the blame falls on this but it's just a broken record it's them trying to emulate what impact did and uh, even now, to the point that Bray Wyatt just can't even save it. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of like we've already seen this, and we've seen it, you know, on Impact and stuff like that. I agree with you with that. That that's, I believe, a total ripoff, and that's why they, uh, you know, kind of Impact and WWE had WWE had that mini, um, not lawsuit, but like, hey, you can't use this, and then Impact finally said, you know what, in good faith, you guys can go ahead and you know use these characters or whatever, and that's what they did. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I don't want you to compare because I think you're going to get some heat for this. You're going to, you know, compare Jeff Hardy to Charles Manson. You know, Ch- Charles Manson. Yeah, he had a good, a, a big following because you know he was pretty much a cult leader. Um, but Jeff Hardy's not like you know Charles Manson. He didn't murder people or anything like that. It's a professional wrestler. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just well, hang not on. that I'm sticking up for Jeff, but I mean, just I, I've seen the fans that he brought to the show. And, you know, he, 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 he really, those houses are because of him. Like we have to thank him for those houses and, you know, he helped put money in my pocket pretty much. 
is, is what I'm saying. So, yeah, I thank him for it. Okay, well. Whether you like him or not. Hang on. Hang on. I'm I'm comparing that even Charles Manson can have a big fan base and not do anything. Secondly, I'm not taking away anything Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy did early in their careers. I'm just talking now. Early in the their evolution career. of the characters, yeah. Yes. I now look, I'm give them all the props for what they did with TLC, the tag team division during the Attitude Era. Great. Uh, I still wasn't a huge fan of them there, but I did not not like them at that point. I respected, and I still respect what they have done. I just don't respect what they're doing. It's 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 more of the same stuff week in and week out from them. So he paints his face and does some weird eye stuff. There's still no change in the gimmick. There's no change in what he wears each week. Uh, it's the same thing I yell at you about is there's been really no evolution to the Petey Williams character. And, and yeah, yeah, no, I know you don't like that. I, I, I understand. And the thing is, um, sometimes when you're at a certain point in your career, like Jeff Hardy is, I can't see Jeff Hardy, you know, yet again, evolving his character. I mean, maybe a little bit, but he's still always going to be Jeff Hardy because that's what people remember it as. And, and, and that, that's, you know, that's the core of him pretty much. Um, it's not like he's going to do a complete 180, you know, shave his head, end up, you know, pretending he's like, has like a Baron Corbin character now or anything like that. People wouldn't buy it because they're like, that's not Jeff Hardy we know. Um, so it's hard. And then when you're at a certain point in your career, it's like, hey, you know what? This is what worked best for me back in my heyday. Um, people like seeing it kind of like, you know, they can reminisce about the past and stuff like that. And for people that weren't born yet, you know, that are new to wrestling, they're like, hey, who's this character? I've never seen, so it's new to them. Um, but I don't feel everybody needs to evolve their character. Um, do you Maybe th- change it up a bit, but I don't think everybody needs to evolve their character. Do you think I'm holding him to a, a higher standard than he needs to be? Maybe, because he is Jeff Hardy, and I... I and you're probably saying this because you're like, I don't know what the big deal is about Jeff Hardy. Everybody loves, him. everybody loves him. That's right there. So you, yeah, you're probably holding him to a higher standard. It's like, why? I don't get it. Why does everybody love him? So I would say definitely, yeah. I mean, you're not saying to, you know, other people that are like uh, lower on the roster, saying like, why hasn't he involved this character? He's always done this. He's always done that. Yeah. I have about P.D. Williams. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, I guess I just it's lazy on my part. I haven't put in the time and effort. Um, what I like about my character right now is now, you know, where I'm at in my career, like it's a good evolution because this is the first time because I've been playing a pro Canadian character on television forever, like too long. But now we're actually filming in Canada. I've never got that opportunity before. So maybe once we, we've been doing that a lot, like coming up in Toronto, we're doing it. We just did it in Windsor. Maybe that I've got that out of my system. Yeah. Maybe now is the time we can evolve my character. Oh, you know what? Little Lazy Pump. There it is. I love it. Little Lazy Pump right next to Little Nerdy Pump. Yeah. You. <laughs> can, can we talk about that for a second before we move on to the Jim Cornette thing and then finally send you guys home with a little Josh Matthews? And by the way, thank you guys for just listening to us shoot the crap. This is the kind of stuff I have fun doing, just making fun and talking. Uh, we don't get to do that too often with you know what's been going on and watching wrestling and these are the shows pd where we're just cracking jokes and 
doing little improv skits that I find my favorite. But we're at your house last week. We're recording. I look over to you. You're at your palatial estate under this big glass box with lasers around it. The, the glass had to have been an inch and a half thick around it. Uh, state How about of, that, yeah. Yeah, state-of-the-art security system is the headdress. The uh, on, on a mannequin head. On remember. a mannequin head, yes, is, is a headdress. Is the headdress, the little PD pump headdress sitting there with just one little light sparkling it. And that's another thing where I saw you drool from the mouth. You... Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you asked me as you were looking at it, you're like, hey, can you shut down your security system and call off the dogs? And can I wear it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And well, then you you put it on and you you donned the chainmail. I, I donned it. I took a picture. I posted it. Uh, never have I looked so nerdy, but been so proud of a picture. And somebody, yeah. And then somebody quote like on on Twitter, they they named you. Hey, this is uh, not little Petey pump. It's a little nerdy pump. I'll, Love it. I'll take it all day long. There was also little chubby pump. I got that one too. Uh, but it was just a headshot. I mean, I, I like little nerdy pump a lot better. Yeah, it, but it was one of the coolest moments. And I, I have to tell you, I I begged you to bring it with you to the next Impact tape. And you're like, no. Oh, you know what? I'm going to. And just walk out with it. Like, like you know, Do in the it. locker room for the boys. Do it. You know what? That's a great idea. I, You know, I need to. I know I told you I wanted to have more fun. And, like, and I have been doing it with, like, you know, Grado's birthday party and stuff like that. Doing like, man, I should do that. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. What do you think? A serious question. You put the headdress on, uh, you know, whether you're on Monday or Tuesday night on the tapings, you're getting ready to walk out. You have the headdress on. Does Scott or Sanjay stop you and go, what are you doing? Yes, absolutely. They will absolutely stop me and say, why are you wearing that? Will they tell you? They, to, they, will they tell you to take um, it off? If I'm sitting at the gorilla position at the go, and they're like, "My music's about to hit," yeah, because then they would have to process like, "How are we going to explain this uh, on our TV show? Why he's wearing the headdress?" So, you know, if I bring it up beforehand, like, "Hey, I want to do this," then they can actually process it, think about it, and then tell me no later. <laughs> but uh, that would be an absolute no. What if you just wore it? All day long in the back with no explanation. Not that that third. How about how about Sunday night at the pay per view? You're going to be agenting. Agenting. You just wear it. You wear you. You have your jeans. I, yep. You have your shirt, and you just wear it all day long. You you. It's almost like you pretend that you're not even doing it. If someone's like, "Hey, what's up with that?" You just go, "What? What? Oh, my hat. You like my hat? Yeah. Now I don't have the sunglasses anymore. I believe those broke." Do you have a pair of sunglasses? There, we're gonna pass a million gas stations. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll grab some. We'll grab yeah. some from somewhere. Yeah. Oh, this is gonna be great. Now I'm now I'm super excited. I got to yeah. age and everything like that. Yeah. I guarantee you. Don't take a picture of it. But I guarantee you, somebody in the back somewhere is gonna take a picture, post it on uh, on social media. Now, do you talk as Scott Steiner the whole day and just act like it's normal? <laughs> oh man, now you got me thinking. This How about was... just when I get upset? <laughs> no, I mean like this. Yeah. 
what? You're not throwing the clothes on. It's called the Steiner line. Me and Scott used to say it to me all the time. Like, I'm like, yeah, you know, like when we used to wrestle each other, I'm like, yeah, you know, give me a toss-up Hurricane Rana. He's like, what? And I'm like, a Hurricane Rana. He's like, never heard of it. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I'm like, you used to do them. He's like, oh, you mean a Frankensteiner? And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, there's no cameras around us right now, Scott. Like, are you kidding me right now? I'm like, yes, a Frankensteiner. All right, moving on. Like, you know, I, he just wanted me to, like, submit to, like, the name of it. Like, I had to call it a Frankensteiner. Anyways. <laughs> Scott Steiner mentally abused you. <laughs> I'm, like, it's almost like, it's almost the jokes on him. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, all right, whatever, man. Because he invented the Hurricane Ron. <laughs> yeah, oh, apparently. no, no, we get it. We get it. All right. No. Uh, in this marathon podcast... Let's let's do a little bit of just Jim Cornette talking about the Canadian Destroyer. If you have kids in the room, the house, the car, you may want to skip past this a little bit. Uh, this is the final piece to the podcast. Then you get to listen to one Josh Matthews, who I would probably say we became best friends forever after this interview. I'm I'm just guessing. But uh, Petey, are you ready? Because you've you've not heard this yet, but are you ready? To hear what Jim Cornette has to say about one P.D. Williams and one Canadian Destroyer. Yeah, and I mean, I I have already said a bunch of nice things about Jim Cornette, so um, I hope I don't have to take all those things back. So yeah, go ahead and play it. Nimrod in Japan repeatedly flipping about as if a blow-up doll was giving him a flip. Skip through that. As it always days. Did Jim like or dislike the move? That was the only thing that Petey was doing that people really paid attention to because they had buried him in that. When I first started at TNA, Jeff asked me to Jeff Jarrett, I should say, asked me to give him my thoughts on the show every week when it aired, which I would, I think still fax at that point down to uh, Nashville, to his house or whatever. And Petey at the time was in the group, and I can't remember. I think it was Saban and Shelley at that. But well, maybe they had them more in the tag team division. But all the the six cruiserweights, or what was their weight division? The six little guys that did high spots and they beat like drums every week is the basically X division. the X division. Thank you very much. As a DX division, I said this actually. And I think Jay Lethal was in at that point, so I said, "You got Jay Lethal and five other guys in the X division that you just that you beat every week, and just all they do is high spots look like a video game match, and no importance is ever placed on any of them, and it's the same fucking shit every week." Um, having said that, no, so I didn't because once again, that was also not my place to tell the guy he'd already established the thing not to do it, and to be honest, once again at that point. It was a border one of those borderline judgment calls where, yeah, it was kind of a little ridiculous on the face of it, but you could make a case that it, uh, Steve Austin was so over that a lot of people still don't realize that he had the weakest stomp a mud hole in you stomps in the corner in the history of wrestling. But his intensity was such, and he was so over that it looked fucking great because people saw it in their mind that way, the way they wanted. So he says, he, it's his move. More importantly, it's it's the same thing that happened when Muda was doing the moonsault and was the only one doing the moonsault. 
And then, goddamn, I remember the first time that people saw him land on his feet when the guy moved. Oh, shit. Well, that was just blew their fucking brains out, right? And then here comes Vader does the moonsault, 400 pounds, and then Terry Funk does the moonsault, 50-something years old, and the girls start doing the moonsaults. Now the girls can do it. And, and then indie shows. Petey was so good at it because he invented it, and he also he was he's a light kid that's easy to, and knows how to work, and he was easy to move around because it is a kind of a preposterous looking move. It's not as ridiculous as some. I wouldn't put it as the poster boy, but when he pulled it off, it was a pretty good pop, and it looked like it would have stuck the guy had all this been real. So it wasn't something to fucking die on that hill, but then when everybody has started imitating it, and then it was off the second rope, and then it's off the top rope, or then it's off the apron through a fucking table or whatever the fuck. Now it's just, it's crossed a line all the way over into preposterous and been made immaterial too because now everybody has had so many people do it that not only have they seen through it, because as we know in wrestling, the more often something gets repeated, the more people have a chance to see through it and see how it's done. But also because when everybody starts imitating it, even the guys don't know what they're doing do it. And you can definitely smarten up to it when you see how they do it because they're showing you because they don't do it worth a shit. Okay, we'll stop it there. There's more if you want to go look at it. As we said, Jim Cornette's drive through This is from, I believe, June 11th. Petey, what are your first initial thoughts based off what he said? Um. Well, I'm surprised that he didn't, like... Barry, I, I was expecting him more to, to yeah, that move's ridiculous because Jim Cornette's old school, you know, like he he would say like that's not real and this isn't real and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, he talked about the moon salt. Would would you do a moon salt in a real fight for real? Yes, absolutely not. Okay, all right, <laughs> I, I you would. know you're you're gonna kick and punch, choke, gouge, whatever you got to do. You know, uh, you watch UFC. That's a that's a real fight. That's what gets done. Even though there's been a Canadian destroyer done in the UFC already, um, just recently. Uh, but I mean, that's what you do. You know, some you slam people, all that kind of stuff. So, and he was right. I feel like there is more ridiculous moves than the Canadian destroyer. Um, but I mean, but, man, my but, thoughts on it. I, I but truthfully. Ahead. You've you've already come out and said once that you're the first person to take a video game move and turn it into reality. So even you have admitted that it is yeah. a video game move. Yeah, no, it's a totally preposterous move. Like it's a flipping pile driver. Like it, it's it's, but it's pro wrestling. I mean, are are we really back in the ages where people are complaining about what's fake and what's real in pro wrestling? Like. I thought we were well past that. Like, I don't think he's complaining about it. I, I, from no, 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 not, not him, not him. The, the people that asked that question, because the, the preface to that question was, or to the, to the answer was, You're the exposing. guy hated the Canadian destroyer and all that kind of stuff, and he asked Jim, yeah, is like something like that. How does that so, expose the business, though? As uh, I'm listening, to, uh, I don't know if we did it, if we played the question, but one of the questions was. You know, the, the Canadian Destroyer exposes the business. How does that move expose the business? Uh, because uh, it's uh, – what, what's that called? When you guys have to work together, like it's uh, – you have to work together with your opponent to could do the move. Like you can never do it to somebody if they weren't willing to, to do it is what I'm saying. Like, um, But also a moonsault, you couldn't do a moonsault to somebody if they weren't willing to lay there. 
But then again, you can argue like, well, he beat him up so bad he's laying there he can't get up. Okay. But, you know, people think it's so – it exposes the business because – and Jim doesn't think so. Jim's like, hey, that's his move. It gets a great reaction. Um, it's, it's his thing. Um, but he's absolutely right about everybody else using it and then, you know, kind of making it not special anymore. It exposes the business that way. Um, and, you know, I remember when I do it and when I started doing it, I, I knew it had a weakness and strengths to it. So if you ever watch every single, like, Canadian destroyer that I do, a, a lot of it, 90% of them are done on the same camera angle. You know, wrestling, pro wrestling is all lights and camera angle and magic, you know what I mean? So, uh, smoke and mirrors. So I always made sure to make it look the best. I set it up at a certain camera angle and, and, and did the move that way because I knew that's how it would look the best. And then when you start having other people do it, they just took the move in mind. They didn't take uh, an account camera angles or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it gets more exposed that way. And it's like, Oh, well anybody can do it kind of deal. Um, Virgil's doing it. Tickle oh. me Elmo's doing it, you know, like, Buff Bagwell's doing it. So it is what it is. And, you know, I used to re- get real butthurt about it, like, you know, back in the day. But now I'm like, it's a badge of honor. These guys I haven't even met before all over the world are, are, are doing it. And uh, and even for them, like, that's a talking point on Jim Cornette's podcast. Like, they spent a good, what would you say, Dennis? Like, I don't even know how long the segment was. Like, five, six, seven minutes talking about right. me and my move. Like, if it wasn't anything important in wrestling to talk about, then nobody would talk about it. So that's why I feel it has its importance in wrestling. And I, I, I agree. I believe it or not, I agree with a lot, 90% of what Jim said in that. I am critical of you because you're not upset a lot about people using your move. And, and sometimes I you, used to be. I used to be. No, I, I get it. I vary a lot because I'm like, that's my move. How could they do it? I'm still trying to get it over. Now it's like, hey, man. Okay. <laughs> you, you know, at some point, the clothesline was a finishing move. Everybody does it. The sharpshooter, you're doing it. It was somebody's move. It, it comes full circle, and I get it. But the lack of respect that people give your move now, it has become the super kick. And I'm not bashing anybody that does the super kick, but the Canadian Destroyer has to be the second most used so stolen move easily maybe behind a sharpshooter no i agree and like the thing is a super kick everybody's like super kick oh the guy's still on his feet now oh he gives another super kick all these super kicks okay that's fine but when Shawn michaels gives a super kick that guy ain't getting up maybe at a wrestlemania but that guy that guy's staying down same thing with me you know if you get hit by my canadian destroyer you're staying down it's not going to be the opening move to the match or you trade Canadian destroyers like a lot of these other guys do. Um, all that kind of stuff. Same goes with the DDT. Same goes with any guy's finishing move. Um, but, and yeah, just I, I don't get upset because I it's, it's not in my control. Like, I'm allowing somebody else to control my motions. Like, like getting upset about what other people are doing. I, I can't control that. I can't say, hey, everybody stop doing my move. I, I can't. It's yeah, impossible but because people aren't going to listen. People don't know me, all that kind of stuff. But there are some people that steal it that should know better, and they need to be put on – you, Virgil, for God's sakes, I get the – here's the thing. I get that Virgil has carved out a cute little niche with sad Virgil and this meat sauce and whatever, but 
Virgil's a glorified jobber, and I get that jobber's a bad word depending on who you talk to, but I'm going to use it here. I I don't like what Vir- he steals your move just like that and doesn't even say hey, thanks for Petey, thanks to Petey Williams for a lot. You know, he knows better than that. He he. Well, Buff I, Bagwell. I bet you it wasn't Virgil's idea, or and I know for a fact it wasn't Buff Bagwell's idea. It was Ethan Page's idea. You know. I'm more upset, not not that I'm upset about Ethan Page, but, you know, I'm retired at the time. Ethan Page tells uh, Buff Bagwell to do the move to him. Oh, I, I, I you know, and it, it is what it is. It's been done. Buff Bagwell is like probably didn't even think that he can perform something like that. Probably doesn't even know the mechanics of how the move works. But the guy, the guy taking it was probably like, yeah, this is how you do it. You know, this is what I'm going to do and kind of walk him through it. And everybody went home safe and happy, right? Well, hang on now, because could you tell me, let's say around the time WWE bought WCW, and he was doing the the blockbuster, the buff blockbuster, whatever they call it, right? Mm-hmm. And at, at that point, I think he might have been one of the only people that were really doing it. I, I don't know the history of it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but let's just assume... You can't tell me when he goes into retirement and someone's doing that move and it gets back to him, he doesn't get pissed off. Um, yeah, you know, he probably does. He so, he absolutely probably does. Uh, the only difference is uh, I don't understand why everybody would want to do a blockbuster. I get why everybody would want to do a Canadian Destroyer because, you know, it, it, it could possibly be one of the coolest professional wrestling moves ever arguably now why you, wouldn't you want to do it now you got to come up with something new that's not you know and everybody uh when i came back like after four years after impact they're like oh i hope pd brought a new another cool move now i'm like this guy that's supposed to have like these super cool moves that i come up with that i'm like wow i come up with one it's like that's not enough for everybody i gotta Coming up with new cool moves. I've heard your podcast um, idea, so I don't expect you to come up with anything good. No, that's why I always stick to <laughs> Canadian Destroyer. Right. <laughs> how do you want to end this podcast, Petey? Canadian Destroyer. Canadian Destroyer. I mean, that's how I end my matches, so that's how we should end this podcast. And then pitch it to Josh Matthews. That's it. Well, let's just pitch it. To, there's nothing more we can say. Jim Cornette, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being kind to my podcast co-host. Uh, are you ready for a little Josh Matthews action? No, oh, absolutely. Let's do it. Now, I'll I'll say this before we end this. If you're an FBI agent, please listen closely for hints and tips. We're afraid that he was kidnapped. Uh, we're using the sound in the background to determine where he is. He may be close to a very large water fa- faucet surrounded by motorcycles. Uh, all those things so uh yeah <laughs> just keep your ear out for that but in all, in all fairness thank you josh for your time to do this we poke fun at you but you would do the same to us right absolutely and we we like so appreciate his time this is just all making fun and stuff like that um yeah no he's a very stand-up guy really 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 enjoyed the interview and talking to him um yeah so let's do this july 22nd slam reversary wrestling perspective podcast wrestling perspective podcast.com you can find the Dugcast with one controversial james ellsworth which i never thought i'd say that in my life uh this podcast with myself and pd williams it's the only podcast that has a current wwe and a current tna star on one feed
Did you know that, PD? Impact. Impact. Impact star. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm frazzled. <laughs> I'm so excited about this Josh Matthews thing because I'm forgetting everything. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, making history, yeah. There you go. Go follow us. Subscribe. Uh, you know, do whatever you do to help us get the word out. It's growing. We love you guys for that. PD Williams, it's that time. Let's do it. All right, Dennis, here it is. Uh, we've been waiting for this. Uh, this guy, um, he, I would say he was my arch nemesis. Now we're like, I would say best friends. Um, and I would say the voice of Impact Wrestling. And thank you so much for being on this show. Josh Matthews. Josh, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Petey, don't, don't forget the host of the new show Analyze This on the, the Impact Twitch feed with Sanjay Dutt. Oh, I apologize, Dennis. Okay. I mean, and any other, you know, things you want to add to that? I just say he's the voice of Impact Wrestling. That includes the Twitch and all the other stuff. Wow. That's that's horrible coverage there, Pete. All right. <laughs> you, you take it from here, Dennis. Go ahead, buddy. So let's start out with you heading to Impact in 2014. This is an interesting time that I, I find for you because you – and this might not be a fair statement, but you were working with Jeremy Borash, who I was I was a big fan of what he did and how many fingers in the pies he had. What was it like for you in the transformation on your job when he left Impact? I get that question asked a lot, and honestly, there isn't anything. Um, there was no like, oh my gosh, we have to divide this or, or somebody's got to have to figure out how to do this. Like there wasn't. I know what the perception of everything was that JB did, um, but and then there was the reality of, of everything that actually transpired there. So there wasn't a whole lot um, uh, that I had to pick up on that, that, that was being left um, after JB left. And you've seen a few leadership changes in your time and impact. Of course, this is by far the most exciting for, for anybody, it feels like. What's it's almost like a manager in baseball or coach in football. I know you're a big football fan. I'm come from the world of fantasy football and ESPN. So what's it like from someone from your standpoint that started in the office is now the voice and has to go through leadership changes? Is there a lot of changes on your your part or is it still business as usual during each regime? No, it's kind of like um, each new group would take over and, you know, you would get that email that says, OK, can you tell us everything that you do? Um, and, and my list now is uh, legitimately seven pages. So I have it on my desktop and, and, and whenever somebody new took over, <laughs> I'll just forward that email and say, this is what I do. This is how I, I fill my day. And this is how I end up working from 4 a.m. to close to midnight every day. Well, OK, so, Josh. Um, now let's go to the wrestling portion of it because, you know, I, I would assume a lot of people know that you used to be like, you're a trained professional wrestler. And I know, uh, your last match was when, well, when we had our epic five-star match back in April, but, um, (laughs) and then again, a year ago at Slamiversary, you're in a match, uh, with, uh, you know, JB Steiner, uh, Abyss. Um, now before that, do you remember like your your last match before that, and like did you know it was your last match going into it? Like, and uh, what was that like? Do you remember at all? Well, um, let's see. Tough enough ended 
And that then, was his uh, last stuff. T- tough enough. No, 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 no. It, 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 it ended, and then um, this company called the XWF started, and I did that. I actually wrestled AJ um, during those tapings. Um, I just have to think back. I, 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 probably another year or so that I went back to college and then I did, you know, a few, you know, Sanjay uh, and I have gotten very close and, and he, he will often laugh and tell me that I spent minutes on the indie scene, which is probably <laughs> true. Um, so I did a few matches. I didn't, it wasn't for me. I didn't like it. Um, and so when WWE offered me to be an announcer, um, I think I had like one or two shows like still booked that I, that I called the promoters and, and sent back any sort of money that they might've sent. And, and, and that was the end of it. So let me in a follow up to that one. So prior to Tough Enough, did you do like like any were you a trained wrestler? Did you like did they train you straight up from the beginning, like how to take a bump and everything? Well, um, no, I started wrestling school when I was 16. Um, It was a small school in in where I grew up just outside of Chicago. Um, And I I would go to um, uh, Windy City wrestling as a kid. So I saw like Christopher Daniels wrestle uh, as I was growing up. And so that was sort of like my area and genre. And then uh, we did a show or we did our our training and then we bought a wrestling ring, my friends and I, uh, and put it in my parents' backyard. Uh, So I think I was like America's first backyard wrestler. I was on that DVD that they put out, which is funny. Um, (laughs) And and then Tough Enough started like like probably like months after that. Wow. You know, that's been my dream my entire life, like when I was younger, to have like a, a wrestling ring in my backyard like so much so we're like you know what we're gonna dig up fence posts and rope and and make one but you actually bought one that's dude crazy. Kitty, it was so cool it was uh it was like me and like eight of my friends and the guy was in atlanta and he wanted two thousand dollars for the ring and he would drive up and he would bring it up and and we didn't have two thousand dollars we didn't even have two hundred dollars uh but we told the guy yeah, yeah yeah we'll get the money don't worry about it um and somehow through the grace of god we ended up coming up with like 1800 bucks and uh, the dude got there, and we were like, hey, we're a couple hundred short. And he was like, ah, it's fine. And, and he sold us the ring. He set it up. And it was cool. We had a, I mean, that was my, my summer. Like, I would go out in the, in the ring, and it was black, too, with black tarps. So I would spray it down, and I would do springboards all day. <laughs> now, Josh, you're, you're wishing I was your friend uh, a long time ago. Man, I – wow. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, rem- reminiscing now. This is something I didn't know about you, Josh, and that just made you, like, go way up in my book right now. So, anyways, Dennis – well, that this is the second guy we've had on our podcast. David Arquette has a wrestling ring in his backyard right now. Well, I mean, that, that would almost make sense to me, you know, him wanting to get back into wrestling and stuff like that. And but, Josh, I mean, come on, Dennis, you wanted a wrestling ring in your backyard when you were sixteen. Let's let's be truthful. I'm forty and I still want a wrestling ring in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair to ourselves. <laughs> so. You're. I'm thinking of a good way to to prop this question up to you because you and Petey have. I don't want to use the word checkered, but you've had a couple brush-ups with each other now. What was your perception of Petey Williams before you got into this storyline with him that has just passed, during and now afterwards? Well, I mean, before I didn't know Petey. I mean, Petey was, uh, um, you know, from 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 the original uh, Impact cast, right? Um, and then to come back, and I always thought that Petey was great. And then we do this thing, and I, and I just gained more respect for him um, through all of this, and 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 
just to have the um, uh, the professionalism to to go through this. Like, because uh, you know, I wasn't a fan of everything that was happening uh, during this time frame. Um, I, I I went along with it. I tried to make the best of it. It wasn't for me. Um, you, you know, I'd rather be the trusted voice, the the straight play by play announcer. Um, so this was sort of uh, um, you know this this character this. Um, overbearing heel manager for, for lack of a better word. Um, you know, wasn't super comfortable in my world, but PD made the match part of it great. And everything that we did, I thought was a lot of fun. Um, and, and, and I thank PD for everything that we did. And, and now we have that gift that lives forever of PD chasing me around the ring. So at the end of it all, I think everyone was happy and, 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 and liked what we did. But to me, it was just, you know, I was a fish out of water. I, I have so Dennis, that. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but, that match was never supposed to happen. It, it, it would happen by chance because um, Sanjay had just had surgery um, on his Achilles and he couldn't make it to the tapings. They said you can't fly. And he had this other segment set up where Josh and Matt were going to teach us like yoga or whatever. And <laughs> they, they couldn't picture it. And San, Sanjay was supposed to be the one like directed and stuff like that. And it just never happened. So they had the match instead. And that's how it came about, like last minute. Wow. That's... Yeah, Scott called me at uh, at 3.30 a.m. And I'm laying in a hotel bed uh, eating candy and drinking wine. And he said, you're going to wrestle PD tomorrow. And I said, oh, okay, uh, sure. I'm you know, never one to say, you know, for, for everything that I learned in WWE, the one thing that I learned from Vince McMahon was that you always say yes. Like when it comes to work, you just always say yes and you'll figure everything else out. So my response was, yeah, cool, sounds great. And, and then figure it out the next day, right? Yeah, that's that's what we did, and five stars, maybe six. <laughs> well, now I have to ask this question: Were you ever worried? I, you, you're a trained wrestler. You've been in the ring, but the Canadian Destroyers tad bit of an intimidating finishing move. Was there a little bit of worries? Like they're going to ask me to take this, and you know, do I say yes? Do I say no? Is it something I well, want to do? The, 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 the seeds were planted that the Canadian destroyer would be delivered um, at the pay-per-view uh, simultaneously. PD hits Matt. Uh, somebody hits me and, and it happens in Windsor and everyone goes crazy. Um, it, it didn't go down that way, but yes, but as everyone, you know, you know, we're all, we're all professionals. And we all do this for a living and, and, and I'm a lifer at this. So it was like, look, it, it's, it's, it looks devastating. It looks like it could kill you at the end of the day. It's probably one of the safest moves to take. And I said, okay, okay, okay. That sounds great. And it is. You're correct. <laughs> yep. Yo, July it, it is one of the safe. July 22nd is the big pay-per-view coming up, Slammiversary. You guys announced that Curtis Granderson's going to be there. PD and I are in Detroit. We both you know, are fond of Curtis Granderson. What kind of wrestling roots does Curtis Granderson have? I mean, that's a question more for Curtis than, than for me. I know that he was a part of a, a show about 10 years ago when he did commentary, and he's a fan. And, um, you know, it's the same sort of deal with D'Angelo Williams. When D'Angelo wanted to come in, it was like I went downstairs and told Jeff, I said, hey, uh, you know, my buddy from the NFL wants to come and do something. He was like, okay, yeah, have him come. It's just it, it gets that rub of that other audience, the, the, the audience that Curtis may bring in Sunday. And then somebody may say, wow, uh, I just became a wrestling fan. Sorry, that's loud, I know. Um, I just became a wrestling fan because I watched the show because the guy that I like from baseball is on there. Pete? Yeah. Um, 
So I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your commentary um, and not to get too personal with you, but you know, I think everybody knows um, that you know you and Madison Rain are an item. You guys are married. What? Uh, if they didn't know that, they know it now. Um, but you know, okay. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah. So it, yeah, I'll preface <laughs> with that next time. So okay, you're calling matches, Josh. Okay, and then Madison Rain, who is now you know back in the knockouts division, she has a big title match coming up at Slamiversary. You know, you're calling her matches leading up to this, you know, Slamiversary match. Is it is it difficult to remain like impartial and not biased when you're when you're calling her matches? And it, I know you're professional, but is it is it hard for that? And also, like, um, if you don't call it a certain way, does like does she get upset over it? Like, why didn't you put me over more on commentary or anything like that? <laughs> um, so what's that like? The, the second one, yes. Um, <laughs> I knew it, it. I knew it. More ribbing on a square a lot of times than anything else, but um, and, and she got me good the other day. She said, you know, uh, that one move that I do is called this. And I said, I've never called it that. And she goes, no, but Ian does at Ring of Honor. And I said, oh, my God, you're killing me. Um, I mean, that was great. And, um, it's weird because, like, like, PD stuff happens in the ring, and when I'm calling it, like, I don't see it. Like, I get to the back, and I'm like, you know, KM's like, hey, did you see the – the shoot fight that I got into the ring. And I'm like, no, I didn't see that. And I'm like, I'm sitting here right in front of it. Um, Ashley got a uh, Madison. Uh, she got a concussion um, a few years ago and I called it and I had no idea. I literally had no idea. Cause I'm doing like 14 different things other than calling the match. I may be looking at my phone to see what's happening on Twitter. Or I may be talking to our producer. So there's so many things happening. And so the hardest thing for me is like, I went to a ring our show with her two weeks ago in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, and I'm standing on my balcony and motorcycles are going by. Um, and, and Fairfax and those matches, I cringe. I watched her wrestle Tessa last week in Chicago. And th- then I'm like the nervous husband, like, you know, holding on to, to, to anything and just wanting the match to be over. So as the commentator, like, no, I'm, I'm just watching it and calling it, and, and, but you know, if I'm not, and I'm having to see it, I just want it to end quickly. All right. You've recently got into the podcast game, and you being a personality, you've probably been asked to be on every single person's, you know, wrestling podcast from, you know, the big guys down to even Petey Williams. How different now that you're in the podcast game is it to go? Because I've I've fought with Petey, like Petey, you should ask this guy to be on. He's like, ah, I don't, I don't want to bother him, and he'll end up texting him. It's like, yeah, sure, I'd love to. How different is it now that your talent getting into the podcast game opposed to, uh, you know, Larry the fan who went out and bought a mic? Um, well, I got into podcasting um, kind of on accident. Um, CBS was starting a platform and Taz asked me if I wanted to do a show and, and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, it, it was supposed to be a, like a men's fashion thing and and, you know, that's not really I don't really know much about um, men's fashion. So I kind of faked my way through that for a little while. Um, and then Sanjay and I do like from time to time, we'll do uh, a podcast here and there. Um, I don't have like that dedicated weekly show. Um, hats off to like you guys who, who do these. And, and I was even telling my wife at dinner tonight, I, was like, I think I'm doing PD show, but it's getting late. Um, so so to, to be dedicated and do that every week, I mean, you just have to continue to do it. Um, each and every week, and you and you have to be consistent and, and build your audience. Um, and you know, I, I pick and choose which ones I wanted to do, which ones I like to do and want to do. I wanted to do your show because uh, 
you know, obviously I have a, a, a fondness and a respect level for Petey, so I, I, I appreciate doing shows like this. Yeah, no, that, thank you. And that one guy he podcasts with. <laughs> and Dennis. Yeah. And, and Dennis, of course. De- Denise, right? No, yeah. So <laughs> uh, finally, as we wrap this up, I, I want to tell a story. I was back at the last uh, Impact Tapings in Windsor. And I've, I've been a fan of yours for a while. And it's weird going, because I, I come from the sports world, ESPN and all that stuff. So I sit and I talk to football players and baseball players all day long about fantasy football and fantasy baseball. It's it's the nerdy side of sports. I don't do anything real in my life, it seems like. I go back into the backstage, hang out back there, and I was like a 12 year This is the nerdiest thing I'm going to... I'm hanging out with Brian Cage... In abyss, and I'm just like Petey. You gotta, you gotta get hooked me up with Josh Matthews. You gotta, you, Petey. Come on, Petey. And he's like, he, we'll talk to him. We'll talk to him. And walking out the door in the last thirty seconds, I was introduced to you, and that was probably one of the coolest parts of my night. Oh. Well, I mean, how do I, how do I even respond to that? I hope I wasn't rude. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I was the rude one, Josh, because I don't remember who you were talking to. I don't know. If you were talking to Ashley, not Madison, actually, Ashley, I, I can't remember who you were talking to. And I totally just butted in and I was like, hey, Josh, I want to introduce you to my buddy. And then so I was the rude one. But anyways, go on. Um, so I, I hope uh, that, that uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of taken aback here because that, that's awesome to hear. Um, so please, if you guys are or, or, or Petey, I know you'll be at shows, but uh, um, if, if you guys are there together, uh, let's sit down and, and, and chat next time. Uh, spend a little more time together. Well, we're not together. We're not dating or anything. We go to shows. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we worked it out long ago that we're better friends than anything else. Yeah, or co-hosts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah, I'll be at Slammiversary. We're, thank you so much for your time. You know, where can people find you? I know you're huge on Twitter. As we said, you have this Twitch show, which I got to tell you, it, I enjoyed it as as a fan of yours. And then through Petey becoming a fan of Sanjay, it, what you guys are doing digitally over at Impact is is changing the game. Yeah, we've got to figure out this Twitch show. Um, it's it's every Monday at noon um, between Sanjay's travel schedule and, and, and my travel schedule. It's tough to always have great internet, um, but we'll get there. Um, and that's at twitch.tv slash impact wrestling. Again, it's analyze this every Monday at 12. And then I'm on Twitter, uh, like everyone else, um, at Real Josh Matthews. And uh, I've been on Instagram more than anything else lately. And I'm there, I'm just Josh Matthews. I find Instagram to be uh, a little more fun. Awesome. Go. All right. Josh, thank you Josh, so much. Thank you. Thank you yeah, so much, guys. man. We really appreciate it. I'll see you at Slammiversary. Yeah, thank you guys. All right. All right.